Welcome to Jurassic World. Good morning guests and welcome to the Jurassic World Minutes where we'll be visiting Jurassic World one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And on this episode we're going to be retracing the 14 year journey from Jurassic Park 3 uh, into what would have been Jurassic Park 4 and eventually the evolution into Jurassic World. David, the road to Jurassic Park 4, uh, it's interesting, It's um, it did take 14 years to get there. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park 3, it's sort of with its 93 million dollar budget, it still made back almost uh, 369 million worldwide. So it wasn't a complete failure um, in today's today's market. Then yeah, that would have been seen as a pretty big bomb. But it was still the eighth highest earner in 2001. So it was still up there with the uh, first X Men movie, uh, Spider Man, and all the other big films of the summer. But it was still only half the box office of The Lost World, which um, yeah. was only beaten in 97 by Titanic. <laughs> Damn you, James Cameron. Um, so it's only natural that after Jurassic Park 3's release, uh, works would start on a part four straight away. By this time, I didn't into the workforce and was sort of away from the series, but I seem to remember either um, Jay Johnson or Kathleen Kennedy saying that they were going to get straight into it. Because um, I'm pretty sure Sam Neill had confirmed by then that no, he's done, he's out. And I think someone else as well, but this is only going off memories. I can't find any articles <laughs> from that time because most of the stuff from back then is on uh, fan sites or other stuff that no longer exists online. But the uh, Jurassic Park 4 didn't happen as um, as fast as fans wanted. David, you were there. When did Legacy start? Um, Legacy started in 2015, uh, but I was actually... I didn't actually join it until 2011, so a lot of my knowledge of the early days of then were kind of scant. I know I kind of went back and re- reread a lot of the old articles and stuff that when I first joined the site that had been posted. I there was things that I was like gonna gonna start uh, gonna start soon. They're working on a script, and it just went on like that for years probably three or four years of just we're working on a script we're putting something together we're working on something and nothing ever came out came of it mm. until of course 20, 2012 when it was announced yeah I that's weird because I seem to remember signing up to Legacy in 2007 or 8 but that must have been something else <laughs> um, I mean it could have been it was it was around at the time but I I just wasn't there oh okay okay alright yeah, well, um, got a quote. Universal Pictures is intended to begin production on a fourth Jurassic film, 
2004 and with a mid-2005 release, but development stalled while the script uh, underwent several revisions. Um, following a suggestion from executive producer Steven Spielberg, writers Jack or Rick Jaffer and Amanda Silver explored the idea of a fictional or functional dinosaur park. And uh, once Trevor was hired on in 2013, he sort of followed the same idea um, and continued that script forward with Derek Connolly. But there was one script going around at the time, and uh, it's famously known by a lot of fans, the uh, the John Sayles Jurassic Park 4 script. That, um... Oh, yes, the infamous uh, Sayles script. <laughs> Dino... I, I, uh, Jurassic Park Legacy coined the term Dino Crafters. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, again, not knowing dates of articles and everything else, I wonder when the uh, the sales script was known. I'm, I'm guessing it come after the uh, some of the concept art with the uh, the human raptor hybrids and that sort of stuff coming out. That actually didn't become revealed until Jurassic World was already in production. But ah. The sales script, I want to say, came about sometime pre 2010. And um, it was it was infamous, basically. I mean, people made fun of it all all over the place. It was became kind of synonymous with like some of the worst ideas in the history of bad ideas. <laughs> I wonder if it was a reverse reaction, uh, like Ryan Reynolds putting out that Deadpool footage and everyone loving it. So Fox going ahead and making it. We're here. They've put the sales script down. Everyone hating it. So they've decided not to not to do it. But. Mm. Yeah, well, that sounds like those dark times from 2001 to 2008 or nine. I didn't miss a lot then <laughs> that was happening yeah. in the franchise. But many elements of that script ended up, or you can see you can see parts of it in Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom, um, including the, sort of the corporate mansion up in the hills and splicing weaponized animals. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we do get a scene in Jurassic World 3 where we get Pteranodons attacking a baseball game, because that's <laughs> that, that's sort of one big thing on the mainland that they haven't shown yet that um, existed. Oh, wow, uh, let's not forget the paratrooping in Kylosaurus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some good and bad bits about that script that we'll get to in a minute. Sorry, I've just got a prompt to restart my computer. Don't want that. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, Sales was a famous B-movie writer, and um, probably one of his best films that people would know him for is Piranha from 78, I believe, and he'd done a lot of those creature features back in the 70s and 80s, so... What we get with the Indominus Rex sort of fits in that creature feature as well, just an unstoppable killing machine that's coming after everyone. <laughs> but um, it's sort of interesting too, in the uh, in the sales script, Chris Pratt's hero appears to have its origins from uh, Nick Harris, which is the leading character in the script, uh, currently unemployed soldier of fortune and an ex-Navy SEAL. And when we first meet Nick, he's being hired for a top-secret job by one John Hammond, uh, the deepest those, the creator of Jurassic Park, and now the most sued person in the history of the world, <laughs> which I thought mm-hmm. makes makes perfect sense after the Lost World. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember that uh, the that there was one rumor that came about I think sometime after the sales script was out, and the, those designs were revealed that the the concept art and the concept maquettes that they had posted. They was a rumor that I think Spielberg at one point was so. Um, What's the word when he's? It was just not. He didn't think the prospects for Jurassic World were going to be good, so he thought possibly just make the worst Jurassic Park movie possible and and bury it. Just be done. Just be done with it. 
<laughs> Interesting he's thinking that he never returned for a Jaws sequel. Maybe maybe a few years after he'd, he'd thought, no, nah, this is it with franchises. But, um, but yeah, you can have a look, read through the script yourselves. I'll put the, um, the link... But the general plot, um, having long since lost control of Jurassic Park and his company, InGen, Hammond now owns a less impressive venture, an aviary full of large birds, but otherwise is still the same jovial old gent. Um, he always was. Jurassic Park, meanwhile, has been taken over by the Grendel Corporation, a Swiss company which claims to have cleaned the island of its pesky dinosaurs. But that hasn't stopped several smaller creatures, including Pteranodons and the uh, Comsognathus, from escaping to the outside world and wreaking havoc. Um, Hammond, therefore, has a plan to create a new breed of highly aggressive but reproductively neutral individuals uh, to wipe out the last remaining dinosaurs. So he's basically going to clone dinosaurs to go in and kill the other dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which could... No, we'll leave the Spinosaur out of it. Um, there's only one problem. <laughs> a genetic, uh, the genetic material Hammond wants uh, for his project is still on Isla Nublar. It's the canister of shaving cream left in the mud by ill-fated Dennis Nedry uh, back in 1993. So even in the 2000s, I was still thinking that damn cryo can is there. Well, that was something that Spielberg kind of always wanted to do. There's a interview with him during the making of the first movie where he says that there's that canister out there still ready to reel, uh, rear eight ugly heads. And so it's just interesting that the canister is always kind of something Spielberg wanted to go back to, but just ended up never going back to it and at this point in the story it's long gone yeah there's definitely there's a time time constraint then if you're going to go back and get it it's got to be a, a period piece shot in 93 maybe just for the start to show that someone one knew about it and two knew its location and three was able to go in and get it while the whole mayhem of the uh the evacuation was going on in the 93 yeah. incident but um and it's interesting how heavily hammond was featured in and the sales script because I remember that uh, Sir Richard Attenborough was very interested in returning for another Jurassic Park movie, but it just never happened before it. Um, it just never happened before his accident in t- uh, 2008, where I think he fell down some stairs and was uh, paralyzed or something. Hmm. Yeah, he he wasn't the same after that. He's bedridden, hike or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll get to a little bit of that, because he wasn't the only one that was looking to come back as well. Um, Nick's task is to head to Isla Nublar, whisk a canister out from Grendel's nose, and uh, bring it back to Hammond. Naturally, things don't go according to plan. Um, William Monaghan, who done The Departed in Kingdom of Heaven, uh, was the first screenwriter to set up the plate, or step up to the plate, announcing at the time that uh, Kira Knightley was reportedly in the running for the major role. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking mid-2000s, this would have been just before the first Pirates film too, so I think she'd done something else, and oh, I might be thinking of Natalie Portman, but um, I know that Keira Knightley's kind of big break as a star did happen in 1999 with um, Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, where she played Natalie Portman's double mm. on uh, the, on the movie. Yep. But uh, around that time, too, uh, Jeff Goldblum and Richard Attenborough were also thought to be returning respective roles of Ian Malcolm and Hammond. So whether they wanted Jeff to come back or whether Jeff had uh, said, I, I'd like to come back, I've, <laughs> I'm doing every second film, I might as well be back for four. That was a report anyway, but uh, as the 2000s wore on, Jurassic Park 4, uh, as it was then, 
widely dubbed, refused to budge. Uh, directors were attached and detached. Um, Breck Eisner was among the names, um, and then John Sales was brought on to rework Monahan's early script. Sales certainly seemed like a logical choice to write Jurassic Park screenplay. He'd, uh, he had he was the writer of Creature Features, as we said before, uh, for Playful Edge, um, Dump in 78, Alligator in 80, and um, The Howling of uh, Howling for Dante, which I haven't seen any of those films, <laughs> but um, uh, but he also crab, crab, color, bleh, God, he also collaborated with Spielberg in the early 80s, um, which uh, Sales wrote a screenplay called Night Skies, an abandoned project which. Um, lately inspired E.T., which is uh, one of Spielberg's probably more well-known movies. Mm-hmm. Um, when sales clambered aboard in mid-2004, uh, it was reported that Dress Park 4 was being optimistically scheduled for release in the winter of the following year, as I said before, 2005, but um, that didn't go too well, and the film didn't make a particular deadline, apparently, because the uh, various drafts of the script being turned in around that time weren't passing muster for Spielberg. Um, special effects guru or genius Stan Winston uh, confirmed this as much in April 2005 when he told IGN he felt neither uh, and neither of the drafts balanced the science and adventure elements effectively. Uh, it's a tough compromise to reach as too much science uh, will make the movie too talky but too much adventure will make it seem hollow. So it was good, good to see that Spielberg was... Um, Keeping a firm reins on the project, and mm-hmm. not and not letting just any old story come to light. Which 2005, what were you doing with Crystal Skull? <laughs> that's a uh, that's a whole different argument. Um, From what I've heard, honestly, though, a lot of a lot of people who worked on the film attribute, Spe- I mean Lucas more than Spielberg to the writing failings on that movie. Oh, I I heard a theory the other day where you could remove where that would have been the, the perfect Star Wars film. <laughs> um, the fact that it sort of takes place in a in a uh, Indiana Jones um, world is what makes it not work. But yeah, um, it was later announced that Star screenplay had been scrapped and that Joe Johnson was intended to teaming with the dinosaur expert Jack Horner, which we know from Jurassic Park Three. That's going to go well, um, <laughs> and to write an entirely new script and to continue to there and to. And so continued a decade-long churn of writers and directors, which continued right up until 2013 when the franchise received an unlikely saviour. Now, of course, I'm reading all this from an article, so I wouldn't say saviour, but Colin Trevorrow come in um, together with his writing partner, Derek Connolly, who had worked with him on Safety Not Guaranteed, set about rewriting most of the recent draft of Jurassic World screenplay. Uh, as... as Oh, this one written by Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, which done Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which is a great film. Um, but again, most of this info here I've just read off from um, the Den of Geek um, site, which I'll include a link to as well, because they go through and examine the sales script and have a link to the sales script there as well. But uh, that brings us to Jurassic World itself. Once production mm-hmm. started, um, I was sort of back in the fandom by then, starting to see shots from Hawaii supplied to us by real tours, and um, that's when the hype for the film really started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Um, well, to kind of uh, tell the story, I got to go back again to 2006, and I remember being. What was I in 2006? Uh, <laughs> 11 or 12, I think. Uh, and so. 
what 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 um basically was I knew of Jurassic I knew of uh, Jurassic Park Legacy, but I only knew of the encyclopedia front side. I never actually joined the forum. I assumed in my twelve year mind uh, that a forum was a credits page for some reason. <laughs> I had no idea what it was, so I just never touched it. And so fast forward 2011, 2010, 2011, I'm starting to kind of uh, join my own kind of fandoms online. And I remember bouncing around to various ones, Terminator, Jaws, stuff like that. And uh, 2009, I think I was the first online forum I joined was the James Cameron Avatar uh, forum. And then bouncing over to the Michael Myers.net forum for my Michael Myers fandom that I eventually got into around that time before remembering, oh, wait, I just remembered that Jurassic PD or Jurassic Park Legacy is around. I'm, I'll go join up on there. And so that happened around in 2011. And a year later, there was the announcement that, okay, we're actually working on something again with Jurassic Park 4. And this was like really big news because this was kind of in a dormant period between 07, 08, and 2012, where, where there was no news. There was nothing. Nobody was talking about it. Nobody even, nobody even expected it to ever get made. And so I remember 2012, it was really big news when they when uh, Spielberg actually came out and said, okay, we've act, we're actually working on something again. And then uh, Kathleen Kennedy said that we were confident in this one because we didn't want to make anything that we weren't confident in making she, she was like she didn't she I think she said that she didn't want oh, what was the quote she didn't she didn't want to make a movie that wasn't worth making is mm -hmm. what she said <laughs> after Jurassic Park 3 <laughs> <laughs> was that um that was Comic Con wasn't it 2012 where Spielberg yeah. came out because yeah, he doesn't think. yeah he doesn't normally go to events like that and him being there would have been special to see Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and then, of course, um, social media, um, we started seeing production shots coming out. Um, I remember the helipad up on the hill, the uh, the IREX enclosure, which mm -hmm. um, one one person got on set and had uh, Diabolus Rex written in text on the back of one of the sets, so that was sort of... Um, mm -hmm. we had, we'd heard rumours of a D-Rex, some sort of a hybrid creature or something mm -hmm. like that, but... Later. Yeah, some of the uh, early fan renditions of the D-Rex, as it was called, it was, it was spray-painted, I think, and I think it was a crew member took a picture of it, it spray-painted on the Indominus enclosure set, D-Rex, on, mm. on the back of a piece of plywood. And um, I, I remember around the time, like you said, there was rumors of this hybrid creature that was going to be part snake and part pit viper <laughs> or something. But it was... It was the Chimera, as it was in the movie, yeah, but different creatures, and so these fan edits, they were showing like, um, like I think one of the more famous ones was the, the somebody took the T Rex, and the um the Lost World T Rex maquette picture, and photoshopped one of the claws into a raptor claw, and then photoshopped a snake head on it, like a pit viper or some kind of. Uh, Viper snake's head on onto it. Is there had these big fangs coming down from the front of the snout, and it was a lot of them were just plain ugly. I, I'll say that in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> well, even now, you, you Google um, 
any sort of that concept art or even just what people have done on DeviantArt now. There's there's Trinosaurs with two heads, there's, there's T-Rexes with multiple heads, um, mm. claws that are just impossible. And we'll, we'll get to that later with the Indominus Rex too. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of fan art out there that sort of took took what we were rumored and uh, ran with it. Um, oh, I found one of them. I actually just found the one that I was uh, just describing on uh, online. <laughs> I just googled it real quick. Somebody I found it on Pinterest. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot on there as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do remember one photo from Real Tours. It was a shot looking across a valley in green, and they just said possible perimeter gates there, which the uh, the jeep went through uh, from the helipad. We know now that's not in the film, and mm. of course. For some reason, people can't take clear photos <laughs> of a lot of the time, like, and it's probably zoomed in that far too, because um, of being able to get close to the set. But I'm guessing now they'll the uh, the gates we see the boys drive through later on. But um, we had that, and we had the Drysphere Station as well being built up in the valley, mm-hmm. on the ranch. Um, a lot of it definitely, definitely getting that uh, hype, that hype up. Um, there was concept art of the. Uh, Main Street and the main resort, I remember seeing real high, more sort of Fijian cliffs and that real high stuff and sort of real big um, futuristic type white sail buildings and that for the uh, the resort, the main building and the uh, all the uh, the little uh, sort of like your over water accommodation. Um, I don't know what you'd call them, like little huts on on. Uh, piles oh, out yeah. of the water and still that was actually a real concept out there is that one i remember had a funny story attached to it too there's rumored at some point that there would be a bar scene in jurassic world with um miley cyrus doing a song for the movie that would be on the in the background of that bar scene mm-hmm. and Everybody was just astounded, like, oh, my God, keep Miley Cyrus away from this. <laughs> it, never turned out, it turned out to never be true, but at the time, it was funny. In retrospect, it was funny. Well, a lot of stuff. I remember, too, there was the um, the marine the marine park side of things, the amphitheater with the big screen. It looked like a mm-hmm. sort of a smaller, what you'd see at a dolphin or whale show. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get to it later with some of the aerials we'll see of the main resort area, but... A lot of that stuff we've seen production photos of and that that just never ended up in the film at all. And I think going into it, that's probably one of the biggest um, biggest dislikes fans have of Jurassic World itself is just you don't see a lot of the park. You sort of mm-hmm. you get those little hints at the the zoo, the, the petting zoo, and stuff like that. But the the place is massive, and we get to mm-hmm. see Main Street and uh, and the Hilton, and that's about it. True. Yeah, I remember um, you had the helipad listed here. I remember the first thoughts I had when I saw them building that was, I mean, nobody nobody else would could agree on what it what it was. I was the I will say I was the first one to say that's a helipad because I remember it, thinking it looked just like the helipad from Trespasser, the one on the side of the mountain at the mm-hmm. end of the at the end of the game. And yep. like it looks just like the helipad from Trespasser. How can you guys not see it? <laughs> But even even then, and something they do they do in the film is having some sort of set like that, then CG extend it, um, mm-hmm. and just the fact that 
you see this helipad on the side of the hill and what we see later in the film is the fact that no it's actually on top of a building there's a whole building under it that was not there mm-hmm. um not there for the set and that's just that's just movie magic but mm-hmm. i just remember yeah. a lot of fans even even once the film had come and gone people were making the trek up there and taking photos on that set you had the yellow handrails and the big helipad sort of mm-hmm. signage and that on the on the floor of it I was going to say, that's before they took it down. Yeah, then then one day we got a photo of them bulldozing it, or deconstructing it, which was just a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've said many a times, a lot of these sets are built, they're built to be shot on and then tore down again. It's it's either luck or um, good management mm-hmm. or planning or pleading from someone over there that the, uh, the Indominus Rex enclosure managed to stay there and not get torn down for the rest of it. Yeah, I think it was at the behest of the landowners. They asked that it be refurbished in a more durable material so that it could be kept as a tourist piece for them. Because I think it's off. It's in around like the same spot that they did um, something else. I can't remember what it was, but I do remember that the um, that the landowners had requested that the production come back in and just re not like come tear it down and redo the entire thing, but just kind of. Um, give a support structure, you know. Mm. And we know famously from real tours that that lasted about twelve months <laughs> <laughs> before it started to rot in the uh, in the humidity in the, the tropics. But um, mm. I do but remember. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say briefly there that that's a legal requirement too of production companies, and that they if they're filming on private land or anything like that, mm-hmm. they're required legally to set up the sets, film, and then return the land to as it was beforehand. Um, so that's yeah a lot of the stuff that's built on Hawaii that's that's what sort of happens there whether really whether the landowner or someone wants it left or not because if something happens after the crews leave and there's injuries or any sort of lawsuits that try and come out of it well they were uh, they were legally required to port down they didn't yeah, you got the you also have the um, Indominus enclosure mentioned here I remember some of the first pictures of that when I first saw it was, I mean, it was somebody took it like at the edge of a creek that was running behind it, and it just looked really cool. Nobody had any idea what it was, but it, everybody thought, oh, that looks really cool. And I just always thought it was kind of a shame that we never got those kind of angles actually in the film to well, actually see it. Well, there's a lot of concept art and fan art. That's a problem by now. We've seen that much, whether it's fan art or actual concept art, but even just inside where there's the moat around it and sort of um, the raised land in the middle that the uh, that it sort of lived on. Um, yeah, yeah. And, like there's um, so another going back to the Indominus, there was a, somebody who photoshopped the uh, sideshow Allosaurus figure into uh, one of these set pick leaks, and I think that was one that actually went viral the most was of the fakes was the. Um, Sideshow Allosaurus picture. <laughs> and I saved all of them. I'm gonna have all everything that uh, got posted up and, and leaks. I actually saved on my computer. Even some of the things that some people might not want out, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> crew pictures, people uh, would be embarrassed to sh- see now. Just just keep an eye out for that red dot on your chest. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. They don't know where you live. Not yet. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, yeah, a lot of the stuff, again, a lot of the stuff we're seeing before the film coming out, um, mm-hmm. definitely keen on. Now, 
I'm going to preface this as we go on um, with just my thoughts of what they actually did put on film um, before we reveal it because it um, it's interesting. Although it's technically part four, I, I can only see it as a soft reboot. Um, there's a trend in studios taking, at the moment, old successful films and adding a similar budget or a bigger budget and new characters and telling the same story. We've seen it sort of recently with um, Terminator Dark Fate. At the same time, Star Wars The Force Awakens coming out. Um, now that the saga, that saga's finished and we're about to head into the third film with um, Fallen Kingdom, I can definitely see sort of um, mirror or um, comparisons between the two. Um, David, we haven't talked Rise of... No, not Rise of Skywalker. Yes, Rise of Skywalker. Um, because a lot of people shitting on it, I didn't really want to add to that or one way or another. Um Let's have a two-minute Star Wars tangent, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you enjoy The Rise of Skywalker? I did, yes, very much. It was, like I, like I said to a friend of mine who didn't see it yet, it was, I can see where I, how they can say there was a lot of member berries in it. Uh, if anybody's aware of that term, it's <laughs> coined by South Park, basically nostalgia bait for the fans. Mm-hmm. And I could agree with that, with Despite that, though, the movie was still a ton of fun, and I mm-hmm. still loved it. Yep. Yep, no, agreed. Um, so that's all right. We wouldn't have talked too much crap about it anyway. Um, it's it's sort of one one, compar- one sort of thing a lot of people have talking about, and I think it's true, is it, it seems that Kathleen Kennedy or whoever was running the uh, the story of the, of the new free film sort of didn't have a full picture um, going forward just because of... Um, the changes from JJ to Ryan Johnson and back again, and then JJ sort of <laughs> taking what Ryan Johnson had done and pretty much <laughs> throwing it all out or throwing the middle finger up to it, which was a shame because it just hurts the trilogy um, on a whole. And I wonder, I'm, I'm sort of scared that we're going to see the same thing here where we had Colin and we had Bayona come in, and yes, Colin was there with him and didn't just walk away from the set like JJ did and not tell Johnson anything, but. It sort of does have me concerned for Jurassic World 3 and where that's going to go, but we can discuss more of that when we when we sort of get to it. It's sort of the film's... Um, it's mainly wanting to entertain um, adults with nostalgia, as you said before, um, of the earlier films, and then tell a basic story so kids can follow and love. But then sort of some of the story gets a bit basic in the year, and then especially in The Fallen Kingdom as well, um, that I'm not really a big fan of, but... I remember when um, when the trailers started coming out and there was a lot of YouTube and entertainment sites posting the side-by-side scenes of just how similar the trailer was, even the way the trailer was made to uh, the original Jurassic Park trailer and the mm-hmm. same sort of sequences where you had gyrospheres instead of the explorers, the same sort of attack on that um, and a lot of other stuff as well which can sort of add add to me, me little thoughts there about... Um, it, they're just trying to remake, do a reboot, soft reboot of it, and we'll get there when we get to Fallen Kingdom. Like the whole Mosasaur, the, the lagoon, all that sort of stuff shows that yes, they might have had a basic idea of what was going to happen, but that's about as far as it went. Otherwise, things would have been different in Jurassic World, so we wouldn't have locations changing and all that sort of stuff in the future in Fallen Kingdom, at least. Anyway, we'll we'll see what happens when the third one comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, after all that, and after sort of getting into back into the film and doing the run sheets and all that for the podcast, there's a lot of um, 
a lot of stuff I'm really enjoying. Like, Hawaii looks absolutely fantastic. I've just started Lost Rewatching. I need to get over there because it's it's a very beautiful place, and I'm I'm glad they're filming there. I'm glad that they're returning there for whatever is going to happen in Jurassic World Three to film, whether it's flashbacks or whatever else. But um, there are some issues with it, and I'm going to talk about that more when we get to uh, the minutes relating to mm. it. But David, what was your thought on Jurassic World? Now we're five or six years removed. Well, first I was going to mention that I remember that a couple of things that were really big that happened during the marketing of the movie itself was things like, um, in retrospect, I think we called it Plategate because <laughs> during the marketing... Are, are you, you remember this? Uh, remind me. Oh, was that the actual the party plates, the party... Yes, yes, the, the party plates with the Indominus Rex on it, which, by the way, I remember hating... When, when they first announced the name change, I remember, that sounds stupid. I like the Diabolus Rex. What's wrong with Diabolus Rex? And I'm like, oh, well, there's a, apparently some Satanist with the name. And like, oh, come on. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, re- just reminds me when um, Owen and Claire are walking up the stairs to the Indominus um, cage and she tells him what it is and he's just like, <laughs> Indominus Rex. <laughs> like, laughing at that name as well. But I can imagine him doing the same thing with Diabolus Rex as well. But, mm. And I remember, like, everybody pounding on JP Legacy for showing it. And they're like, did you people not think that this wasn't going to happen? I mean, like, it's marketing, people. This is this is what happens when during marketing things get revealed. Yeah, and some things, yeah, something like that, which is obvious that um, that's where the film's going. And then you've got the other side of the coin with uh, Fallen Kingdom. And I know Jurassic Outpost were pushing the whole volcano thing really hard and the fact that a lot of the uh, Jurassic World toy packaging had a volcano on it. But I think... Because... And it's this is a theory, mind you. I mean, it's, it has no basis, but... There was a th- there was a kind of a news war between Jurassic Outpost, who at the time was calling themselves JurassicWorld.org, mm-hmm. and... Um, there was uh, and uh, Jurassic Park Legacy. They're trying to outcompete each other in the news game. And at the time, Jurassic Outpost was winning because, and this is my theory, they had gotten somehow their hands on an earlier script, the one that had actually had did have the volcano ending, the pre um, Connolly script, I think it was. A volcano ending for world. Jurassic World. Yes, there was originally going to be a there was in this concept out of this as well where there was going to be the volcano that actually this happens comes back in Fallen Kingdom was going to erupt at the end of the film. Mm. Thus kind of sealing the fate of the the, assu- the assumed fate of the dinosaurs and in a way giving the movie closure if it didn't um, do well at the box office, but then they brought Trevor and Connolly in, and I, uh, I assume that kind of interest and confidence in the movie went up, and they left the then they left the ending more open ended for another sequel. Well, from memory, Collins' whole pitch to Universal for the film was a free film deal, and he had the basic story for the free films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I I always put it up to the fact that hey, you look at any dinosaur artwork, any dinosaur toys, they've always got volcanoes on them. Mm-hmm. But that, that that whole sort of feud between fan groups and fans, new sites, and that, 
It's not Jurassic. Well, I can guarantee there's probably a dozen Star Wars sites out there that are all fighting over each other trying to get the little skipper <laughs> news, and that's mm-hmm. that's just that's just general journalism on the whole. Like, it's it's a shame that people have to be so ruthless and <laughs> sort of stuff to get that get the first story and get the first word out. And it was my assumption because I always found it kind of hypocritical that everybody jumped on the throat of JP Legacy for revealing these plates <laughs> when every week. JurassicWorld.org would reveal little plot points that they left unsourced, which lead me, led me to believe that they had somehow gotten their hands on an earlier script. Either that, or I know at the time they were um, when they started the pod, their podcast up as well, they'll in contact with Trevorrow and and, mm-hmm. and, um, and talking behind the scenes. So obviously knowing stuff and not being able to say or whatever, but in the end. Oh, I remember listening to some of those podcasts, and they're blatantly telling you exactly what's going to happen. And it's sort of, guys, there's some little hints at a trailer or marketing or something, and you're completely <laughs> just using that as an excuse to lay it all out there. But anyway, we <laughs> we don't need to go too much into that. Yeah. Um, as for my thoughts posting the movie, I remember going into it kind of feeling uneasy about it. I was kind of worried about this whole shiny, polished look to the film. I didn't think it looked dark or gritty enough. And in retrospect, now I do kind of still hold that thought. Mm-hmm. But I remember directly after seeing the movie, I remember I still didn't like it as much as The Lost World, but I did know that it was better than Jurassic Park 3, and I still think that. Mm-hmm. I suppose briefly to uh, looking at the score, Michael Giacchino coming on to replace Williams and... Um, Don Davis at, ha- at uh, having a go at uh, Jurassic score. There's some good stuff in there where he's um, sort of mirroring. There's a couple of good Lost World sort of themed, uh, the drums and that in there. There's some stuff that's sort of JP related. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's too much of the Jurassic Park theme in there. Some of the original stuff um, for the Jurassic World theme is really good music and he sort of plays on it with some of the eerie side of it, much like... John Williams did in Lost World with sort of mm. making the dress JP theme more eerie and sort of yeah. matching other scenes and and yes, well, Don Davis did do the same thing with overusing mm-hmm. that theme in Jurassic Park Three. We've talked we've talked about that, but yeah. Well, I do remember that like the Indominus theme. I loved. I still like the the Indominus theme. There's a lot of great themes, and I think that Giacchino was a great choice for the. Um, for the composer on these movies, and I, I still think that he, I do like his music a lot. Mm. Yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of his stuff, even going back to the Incredibles. But um, it, it's sort of when you listen to a lot of, it, you sort of start to hear some things sort of blend together. And we talked in the uh, January Jurassic Minutes how John Williams had the same, the same problem. Even now, a lot of stuff sort of blending mm-hmm. together as well across the films. Whether it's mm. being reused or just or just sort of the same the same tricks in uh, composing. I was going to agree and say that um, that I mean with John Williams. I mean when you're as prolific a composer as John Williams, I mean it it becomes not your fault. You know, I mean there's bound to be things that you reuse. Mm. Yep. Well, and that's that's the thing. Like as of as of 2015 when Giacchino was on board to do the score there like he'd done the score for that he'd done um Rogue One was already out by then I think <laughs> Hope um yes, Force Awakens yeah, was yeah, I think it was yeah yeah Force Awakens was out later that year which no he didn't do the main 
three Star Wars ones, did he? That was still Williams. No, um, that was yeah, that was John Williams. Yeah, so um, Rogue One, he'd, he'd done the um, the Star uh, the Star Trek stuff as well. So he was um, he was getting up there on the scene as a composer to go to, and by now, geez, he's uh, he's done a lot of stuff by now. Coming back for Solo, and and we'll we'll talk about the uh, the Fallen Kingdom soundtrack because there's some stuff on there. I suppose going orchestral and going that more the choral themes we get that here in Jurassic World as well. So mm-hmm. I can't pick him too much about for that. But uh, as the um, as the minutes continue, as we start diving in the film, I'll get to the specifics uh, in relation to some of the actors and that sort of stuff. But when um, Jurassic World started production, Chris Pratt he'd uh, mainly been known for Parks and Rec, but luckily for him, just before Jurassic World's release, he'd done Guardians of the Galaxy, and I wonder. With that popularity skyrocketing, I wonder if that helped some of the Jurassic World budget or box office as well. Mm-hmm. Having having him recently doing Guardians and going, well, we all love Chris Platt. What's the next thing he's in? Well, here's Jurassic World. Well, undoubtedly. I mean, that's again. I mean, people say, yeah, yes, Bryce Dallas Howard's character is the leading role in the movies, but at the same time, Chris Pratt has been in all these. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, where he's the star and he brings more star power to the movie. Mm. So that's why he—that's why he gets—that's why he and Blue get stuck on the toy packaging. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You brought Bryce Dallas Howard. I—I'd from memory, I only really knew her from Terminator Salvation, and I wasn't a big fan there. And um, I wrote Hoskins here. Who—who who was Hoskins? Uh, Haskins was name. Vincent D'Onofrio, which yes, yes. Mostly, I had known him from um, uh, oh. it was what was it? it was so, one of the Law and Order movies that they didn't Criminal Intent. I think he was in. Ah, uh, I thought you would have said Men in Black. <laughs> no, no, well, he wasn't that as well. But I, I knew him mostly from Law and Order. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was just after after he'd done. Jurassic World. He was on. Uh, he was Kingpin on the Netflix's Daredevil. I think that came out just afterwards, mm-hmm. or the same time, but a completely different role and a role I really loved him in. So um, the only other sort of real excitement too was the fact that BD Wong was returning um, after mm-hmm. not seeing him since the original Jurassic Park. He was coming back, but sort of even now after Fallen Kingdom, apart from some good one great lines he sort of puts out in this film and the next it it seems like a worthless role at the moment in my opinion anyway like it could have been anyone that sort of done that i don't i don't see the um why him coming back at the same time though i like you i do like that they got bd wong back and i'm i do like his he the last thing that he had done mostly since jurassic park that i seen him in was Again, Law and Order. I think he was in the original series for that one. He was a lawyer or something, I think. Mm. But yeah, he was. Um, he was. He was. I was happy to see him back to in, in the movie again because I always enjoyed his character immensely in the novel, and mm. I was. I never did like that he got kind of short shafted in um, in the first movie, and I liked that they kind of brought him back and it brought back that more kind of mad scientist persona that he gave off in the novel. Hmm. And, well, we haven't seen his death yet, and I hope we get that in the next film. Me too. Yeah. If they don't, yeah, then I'll be really upset. But I don't I don't think you'd have the same sort of power behind 
him telling Hoskins that nothing in Jurassic World is real, um, and that whole that some of that stuff dialogue we get there in the lab, um, mm-hmm. yeah, to <laughs> to a canary, a cat, some monster. <laughs> There's some great stuff there, but um, David, I'm just I, used to being the cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think that's just about it for the uh, the road to Jurassic World. Um, mm-hmm. Next episode, we're going to be discussing uh, the first minute of um, of Jurassic World, and we'll get into some of the box office stuff as well. Um, because when it came out, it came out big, big hard, and made a lot of money. So I don't think there was any doubt. From memory, I don't think it was only. I think the film was still in cinemas when we got the um, Universal said that Jurassic World Two was going going ahead. And so I remember they said that it was that they would be making a sequel. I can't remember like if they said it was automatically greenlit or not, but they did say they were planning on making one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we can discuss more of uh, what happened with uh, this film next or later, David. Anything else on that you want to discuss before we get heavy today? No, I think we're good. All right, lovely. 